You're listening to the American Indian Indigenous Peoples Truths, Justice for All, the most dangerous show on radio, on WPFW 89.3 FM, Washington. We do not become healers. 
We came as healers. We are. Some of us are still catching up to what we are. We do not become storytellers. We came as carriers of the stories, and we and our ancestors actually lived. We are. Some of us are still catching up to what we are. We do not become artists. We came as artists. We are. Some of us are still catching up to what we are. We do not become writers, dreamers, musicians, helpers, peacemakers. We came as such. We are. Some of us are still catching up to what we are. We do not learn to love in this sense. We came as love. We are love. Some of us are still catching up to who we truly are. OCO and greetings. You're listening to the American Indian Indigenous People's Truths. Justice for All. The most dangerous show on radio. WPFW 89.3 FM, Washington. I'm Jay Winter Night Wolf, the originator and host, along with my co host, Professor Verona Iriate. And we're very privileged to have into the studio with us. Uh, our former news director. His name is Judge Don Walker. For those of you that don't know who Don Walker is, Don Walker is a retired Chief Supreme Court Justice for Virginia. In honor of International Women's Day, I have two special Native American women on with us today. Charlie Lowry, who's been on our show before, and Alexis Rihanna, who are both members of the great Lumbee Nation out of North Carolina, and both are great singers and music virtuosos. Music has always been a part of our indigenous nations and tribes and people throughout the entire world. Where did music first begin? Was the flapping, was it the flapping of the wings of birds across the sky? Was it the sound of a babbling brook or the morning song of songbirds as they awaken to the morning sun? Was it your grandmother's humming as she prepared meals in her kitchen? Nobody knows exactly the answer to where it first began. However, the natural sounds of nature have 
have grown into the rhythms and sounds of what we have named and affectionately identify as music. Today we will present these two beautiful young women to you for a greater understanding of what we as Native people call music. Don't go away and don't touch your radio dial. I'll be back shortly to introduce my guests for today, two amazing young Native American women singers and musicians, Charlie Lowry and Alexis Rihanna. This is WPFW, 89.3 FM, the American Indian Indigenous People's Troops, Justice for All, the most dangerous show on radio. Today, as we continue our Healing Humanity Through Music series, our special guests will be Alexis Rihanna, Charlie Lowry, both from the Lumbee Tribe of North Carolina. Alexis Rihanna Jones was established, she established herself as a professional vocalist, published makeup artist, and model. She is from the swamps of rural Robeson County, North Carolina, and always call Pembroke, North Carolina, her home. She attended the University of North Carolina at Wilmington, where she obtained a bachelor's degree of science in environmental science with a concentration in conservation and a great deal of GIS experience. Alexis was crowned Miss Lumbee in 2015, and her mother, Eustacia Vi Lowry Jones, was crowned Miss Lumbee in 1989. They made history as the first mother and daughter Lumbee title holders. In 2019, not only was Alexis featured on American Idol, but she opened concerts for Patti LaBelle. Are you with us, Alexis? It's so good to have you on with us. Is there anything else you want to add to that? Or? Oh, I'm thrilled. Uh, we just released the brand new single, the debut single, Keep My Memory, mm-hmm. on all musical platforms as well. All right. Now, my next guest is Charlie Lowry. And she's not a stranger to the American Indian troops. She was on before, earlier this year. Charlie Lowry is a singer-songwriter from North Carolina, and she is all from, also from the dark swamps of Robeson County. In 2004, Charlie competed in, 
on American Idol and progressed through several rounds of auditions to become a semi-finalist in the top 32. For over a decade, Charlie has attained regional and national success as both a solo artist, lead singer, and a guest artist of musical projects including Dark Water Rising, the Ulali Project, and the new Master Sounds. Charlie, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. It's uh, so good to hear you and to be with us on, on the air. And I know that uh, that beeping noise is unavoidable because you are on dialysis as you as you appear on the show. So, Charlie, yes, I'm hoping I'm hoping it's not too much of a distraction. No, don't I worry about it. No, you don't have to apologize for that. My mother was on dialysis for twelve years, and I I know exactly what okay. it's all about. Yeah. So anyway, do you want to add anything else to who you are, or do you want me to continue with the broadcast? Uh, we'll continue, All ready right. to jump into some questions and share with the audience. Absolutely. This is WPFW 89.3 FM, Washington, and we'll be right back after you hear this new cut, this new song, Keep My Memory. Don't go away.
keep my memory. Wow. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. The first time I heard that was yesterday. Uh, so let's get to some questions. I'm going to start with you first, Charlie. Okay. In 2004, you were the semi in the semifinals of the third season of American Idol, along with Jennifer right. Hudson, who was eliminated, and Fantasia Barino, who was the winner. Charlie, your audition was with Paula Abdul, Simon Cowell, and Randy Jackson. Tell us about that. Yes, it was um, season three. Mm-hmm. Pretty much when the show had just got started and folks were catching wind of uh, what it was all about. Mm-hmm. And I I sat at home and watched season one and season two and thought, you know, this is right up my alley. Um, I've been looking for an opportunity like this. And I was a, actually a sophomore in college. Hmm when I went out to audition and my first audition was in Atlanta Wow! and uh, there were about 10,000 people auditioning at the Georgia Dome Mm. and so I auditioned with about 30 seconds of Tina Turner's Proud Mary okay and advanced to the next audition round which is where I auditioned in front of the executive producers made it past that round to go on and audition for Paula, Simon, and Randy. And they're the ones that gave me the ticket to Hollywood. Ah, that was so great. I know that was quite an uplifting experience for you. It was. And when I went to Hollywood, that I still say that's the most stressful week of my life. <laughs> <laughs> so there were... There were 117 contestants during that week, and uh, they narrowed it down to the top 32. Okay. Alexis, are you with us? I'm here. In 2019, you and Brandon McLean (laughs) McLean auditioned for the second ABC season of American Idol, and there were 15 prior seasons, and the winner of that season was Lane Hardy. Alexis, your audition was with, oh, my favorite, Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, and Luke Bryan. What was the song each of you chose for the American Idol audition? Or was it, um, was it Proud Mary or what? (laughs) Um, The first song that I sang was a song that me and Brandon had done in the piano bars in Wilmington. So the producers thought it was cool for me and Brandon to do a duet um, mm-hmm. to, for, to start off for the judges. And then we would individually do our own song. And the first song that we sang was um, Spotlight by Jennifer Hudson, one of Charlie's <laughs> American Idol alumna. <laughs> um, so Spotlight by Jennifer Hudson. And then I personally sang a song by Adele. Um, mm-hmm. I forget which song that was. Um, and then King B done a medley of songs between Lionel Richie, Katy Perry, and Luke Bryan, and he matched it up together. And we eventually got the golden ticket and um, went to Hollywood 
Unfortunately, some things came up for King B, but um, he, nonetheless, he got that golden ticket as well. You know, I, I got to tell both of you, I saw those performances, and I was really taken back when they said that you all were Native American, Lumbees from North Carolina. Um, my next question is for both you and Charlie. Both of you were greatly influenced by your mothers. What is your most influential memory with them? And let's start with Charlie. Oh, gosh, do I have to pick one? <laughs> um, when you, you know, when you were in the introduction and you mentioned uh, music mm-hmm. and the beginnings of music and whether it was hearing your grandmother hum in the kitchen while cooking, well, that, that made me think of my mother mm. um, who was always in the kitchen cooking and she was just, she was a peaceful warrior. Um, she had such grace and such a kind and gentle spirit, but she was so strong. And uh, my fondest memories include watching her tend to her gardens and watering her flowers, um, watching her tend to my nephews. Um, to them, she was their papa. They didn't mm-hmm. call her grandma or anything like that. They called her Papa. Okay. And just watching her raise them and open her heart for them. Um, there, I could just go on and on about her. Um, she passed in 2017 from cancer, and I miss her like crazy every day. Her name was Dolores. Okay. And I always say uh, that she was the prettiest flower of them all. All right. Okay, Alexis, what about you? What was your fondest, most influential memory about your mom? Well, like Charlie said, there's there's definitely so many, but there's one thing that really sticks out. Um, growing up, I used to admire my mother's crown. She had several, and I always knew that she was Miss Lumbee in 1989. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually... I, you know, I always said that one day I would compete for Miss Lumbee. Um, and then one day I did, and I won that pageant as well. And we didn't know it, but that night someone came up to us and was like, congratulations, you've made history. You and your mother are the first mother and daughter of Miss Lumbee. And wow. so we got, to, we got to share that special moment um, together. And I always say that, you know, that kind of mended the relationship between the at that time, I was 19, so I was getting out of that teenager stage. Mm-hmm. And you know how mothers and daughters um, will go through that. We'll go through that phase uh, <laughs> in that middle school and early high school phase. So I was aging out of that, and I felt like that particular moment really did just mend everything together, and it just started off a fantastic relationship for me and my mother. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I know. I. I have such fond memories of my mom too, my and especially both of my grandmothers. I used to when I was like, well, I guess this was over sixty-five years ago when I was a little boy. Uh, would go down to South Carolina and spend summers with my uh, my, my mother's mother and father. They were Cherokees, and uh, they had a big farm. I mean, a big farm. We still got that land, and I would watch them go out there in the morning and. 
Grandpa was behind the, the mule and the hoe, and and they were planting. I mean, it's just it's just a memory that you will never forget. And my grandmother's cooking. God, I love that woman. I miss her cooking oh. today. And my mom was a chip off the old block. Well, both my grandmothers could cook. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so let me let me ask my engineer something. Do you have brown skin? I got a song I want to play. It's called Brown Skin. Who's familiar with that? I am for sure. <laughs> and who, who performed that song? Dark Water Rising? Yes, uh, Dark Water Rising performed it uh, when the band formed in 2008. But I actually wrote that song when I was uh, probably a junior in college at UNC Chapel Hill. Oh, you wrote that song? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. well, along I, with uh, along with my best friend uh, Brittany Jacobs Locklear. Okay, the two of us wrote it together. All right, so look, we're going to play that song, but I want to tell you something. You know, I don't know if you know it or not, but this September in Durham, there's going to be the first Black American Indian powwow, and I'm going to be there, and I hope I see both of you there. Because I need you. Okay. To, I need you. You to autograph that for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So let's do brown skin, and we'll be back again shortly to talk to my two little sisters, Alexis and Charlie. Don't go away. What a beautiful song. You know, I got sitting in here with me, Charlie, and Alexis uh, is our former news director. Uh, he's a retired judge and one of my best friends. He's also a Cherokee, Don Walker. Don, what do you think of the so far, that music? I, I was amazed. You got to get on the mic. <laughs> get over to the mic, Jay. I was absolutely amazed. I believe they could, uh, they could sing any song anywhere. Yeah, I believe uh, that. the phone book. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Verona, my co-host, she's uh, Cherokee and uh, Taino. She's sitting over here shaking her head at the music. Uh, what do you have to say about it, Verona? I said, well, it's, it really sounds good. It's a quiet down, nice 
um, melody and everything compared to where I just came from. <laughs> oh, yeah, you were down. She, she just came back from Carnival. Carnival down where? Oh, oh, Trinidad. Man. Trinidad. We are so yeah. lucky. <laughs> Okay, take so us with you the next time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I tried to get her to take me, and she looked at me and frowned. No, you can't go with me. <laughs> now let's let's do this. Let's let's kind of switch it up a little bit here. Um, Charlie and Alexis, we know that the uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls crisis has, in some way, impacted us all, all of us. You wrote, keep my memory to promote awareness of that. Wally Withers was also a writer for the song. Wally shared the following with us by saying, writing this song with these strong and amazing Native women is something that will be part of me. I am incredibly honored to have worked with both Charlie and Alexis. Their spirit and their passion absolutely shine through this song. It is raw. It is real. We wrote for wrote this for the families and women in Native communities across North America who are facing violence and the missing and murdered Indigenous women's crisis. Our biggest hope is for those who listen to be empowered, encouraged, and uplifted. Now, before I go to my next question, um, Mike, can we play that first one again? Uh, you know, because we, we played it. Yeah, we played it. And um, without the statement by Wiley, and I think this would give it a little more juice, as they say. It's called Keep My Memory. So everybody listen up to this song.
not only is that powerful, but that that digs deep into one's soul. Um, I don't know what the hell's wrong with these men. <laughs> they kidnap the women, rape them, and then kill them. Yeah. And it's happening more and more and too frequently and too often to Native women. Right. Um, it's unfortunate that it's become an epidemic. Yes, well, it is. I'm not going to say it's just becoming. I feel like it's been that way ever since. I agree. Uh, the beginning of the first colonization. Yeah, yeah, the first European invasion. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, who was I was just talking? Was that you, Alexis, or Charlie? I think that we were Alexis and Charlie. in at the same time. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> I understand that in production is a video for Keep yeah. My Memory. Somebody tell me about that. I know it's up and coming. Tell me about that. Yes, so we um, we shot the music video actually the day after we released the song. And um, very, very powerful music video. We wanted a music video that will really complement the song um, and really and really show how powerful the song is. Um, that's coming out March 21st. So... Um, stay tuned for that and we actually shot that music video at what is called the Wire Pastor in um, Maxson, Maxson, North Carolina but in Robinson County mm-hmm. and what's significant about that that area um, back in the day during the time of Henry Barry Lowry mm-hmm. um, the home guard at the time uh, or the police in Robinson County um, stole the wives of Henry Barry Lowry and the Lowry Gang. And mm. it was said that Henry Barry Lowry had released a statement saying, if you don't release our wives, the, the rivers will run run red with your blood. So mm. when the law got, got hold of that information, they called the home guards to come down. And, you know, Henry was mad about his women. They had stole his women. And the home guards, they said there was a shootout down the river, right there at the wire, wire pasture between him or Barry Lowry and the home guard. And that, that's when they said, you know, Henry was never seen again, but they were fighting for their women because mm-hmm. they had stole their women. And yet here we are years later at the same riverbank where that event happened, you know, fighting for our women as well. You know, I'm... <clears throat> You know, people say to me that you are too stuck on protecting these women. How mm-hmm. the hell can you be too stuck on protecting your women? I'm wondering oh, no, no. why Why isn't it that more Native men across the country, why isn't it that most Native men across the country won't step up and and arm themselves and go after these people that are stealing and killing our women. Um, I have. Uh, the I, first, the- I, I'm going to say one more thing, and this is coming directly from me. If I ever find out any of you that's doing this, you ain't going to have to worry about the judge, jury, or the police. The only person you're going to see next is the coroner, because I will take you out. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, mm-hmm. baby. Go ahead. I just, this is Charlie. I just wanted to say, um, as soon as you mentioned that, the first thing that came to mind is that a lot of them may have that colonized thinking and 
uh, hail to the patriarchy, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thinking when historically the women were the, the most powerful in a clan, in yes. a village. The yes. women were the ones that made the decision. Mm-hmm. So I think I think there's a, a different way of thinking here with these later generations. Um, and that could be why they're letting our women fall victim to these systems. Well, you know, um, it better not, I better not ever find out that it was my daughter, one of my daughters, or my granddaughters, uh, then hell gonna break loose. Because men, if you ain't got enough gumption or nerve to stand up and protect your women, why the hell are you here on earth? Mm-hmm. Even the mother. Right, because I tell people, um, think of it as your mother, your mm-hmm. daughter, your sister, your aunt, your grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, would you want somebody to do that to you? Hmm. You're right. Okay, so um, all our listeners, I want you to go to any online digital page and check out Keep My Memory. And let's all support Alexis, Charlie, and Wiley. You can find links to their pages on my new website. It's called Winter Night Wolf Productions on Facebook. And all of their information will be on there this afternoon. Now let's take a short break and come back because, Charlie, we really need to talk about something about a living kidney donor for you. And, uh, okay. And uh, we're going to go to a break and come back. This is WPFW 89.3 FM, Washington, D.C., the American Indian Indigenous People's Truths, Justice for All, the most dangerous show on radio. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the most dangerous show on radio, the American Indian Indigenous People's Truths, Justice for All. Before we went on break, I made a statement, and uh, I forgot the judge is sitting in here. (laughs) (laughs) What are your feelings on these missing and murdered Indigenous women, Don? I think it's a complete horror show, and it's been going on a long time. And it hasn't been stopped by the justice system. Uh, And certainly I I don't think punishment has been handed out or investigations have been done effectively. But if it gets to you having to serve justice, I think I'll rule in advance that you're right in what you do. And it's American Indian justice. And that is fair justice for all parties concerned. All right. And with that... 
Let's move on. <laughs> Charlie, you are currently on the dialysis machine as we speak. And you are on dialysis three times a week. We know that you wanted to rearrange your schedule so you can appear on our show today, but thank you for doing this anyway. Charlie. No problem. Charlie, we love you, and I'm so proud of you. I love you, Charlie. Yeah, we all love you. I love your listeners. (laughs) Charlie, you are one amazing young woman, and for you to continue to fight you know, for your life, and you need a kidney. To summarize it, you were born with an autoimmune disease, which led to kidney failure in 2009. You received a kidney transplant from a diseased, deceased donor who was a friend of yours, and that kidney has supported you for nine years. Now you are in need of a living kidney donor and a living donor kidney function on the average from 12 to 20 years. Charlie, tell us about the tissue typing process for a living donor and what you said can take two to three months since your body has developed antibodies that make tissue typing complicated. Right, Uh, so I did have the first transplant in 2009. It lasted for nine years and Usually instead of, uh, if you're in need of another transplant, if there's nothing wrong with the first kidney or if it's not causing your body problems, they'll leave it in. But mine became symptomatic, and so they had to take it out, uh, the first transplanted kidney, in September of last year. Hmm. And you're thinking that um, I had antibodies that were laying dormant in that transplanted kidney. And then when they removed it from my body, those antibodies entered into my bloodstream. Mm. And so I was scheduled to have a transplant uh, April 30th, this past April. But when we went in to do pre-op testing with my match, they discovered the antibodies. And so we had to call off the surgery, which was a very disappointing but I can't let that stop me. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently listed at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston and also at UNC Chapel Hill. Um, because of the complications with the antibodies, I am highly sensitized, mm-hmm. which will make it harder for me to find a match. But I'm still optimistic in keeping the faith. That's right. You know, Charlie, since you were on our show a couple of weeks ago, um, over a month ago, um, I thought about it because my brother died from kidney cancer, and he was only 39 years old. He was the youngest Native American lieutenant colonel in the history of the Marine Corps. And um, at that time, I went and had myself checked, and you know what they do? And they found out that I was a perfect match, but that disease had gone too far in him for me to save him. Mm-hmm. So what I did, I'm waiting for the results now. Two weeks ago, I went and had my self-analyze again. Uh, and if 
I'm a match. I will give you my kidney. You went and got tested for me, or are you? No, I went and got tested to see if, if I was in physical, good physical health oh, enough to do it. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, well, well, thank you for considering. I've had, I've had so many people reach out to me, and just the the gesture of folks being willing to give of themselves in that way, because mm-hmm. uh, you can survive on one kidney oh yeah but you never know what's going to happen down the road so for people to even think about making that sacrifice that's very true now i just want to make an appeal someone out there in our listening audience can contact ms musc the medical university of south carolina in charleston south carolina the living donor program and let them know you're interested in being tested to be Charlie Lowry's living kidney donor. And everybody get your ink pens out. The telephone number to call is 843-792-1594. And if you are a donor, you will not incur any medical expenses and you can extend the life of a talented and beautiful indigenous woman, Charlie. So please consider this. Also, I have uh, my executive producer on the line, Sandra Hope. Are you there, Sandra? I'm here, Jay. Good afternoon. Good Hi, afternoon. Hi, Hi, Alexis. Hi, Rihanna. I'm glad to, glad to be here for a minute. I just wanted to say, when I heard, thank you, Jay, for playing that Keep My Memory Twice, because the first time, it kind of had me rocking in my seat. The second time... It had my eyes closed, and I was just feeling that beat, feeling that rhythm, ah. feeling that power and strength that Alexis, you and Charlie's moms passed down into you, into your spirit, and, you know, the, the love and everything that you have for supporting um, families and people who have missing and murdered uh, women and girls. So thank you so much, and thank you, Wiley, for, for bringing that song together, and I cannot wait to see the video. Absolutely. And while I got you on the line with us, Sandra, um, we have set up a GoFundMe page to support Charlie. And you can also find out that information where, Sandra? Yeah, the uh, the GoFundMe link is also on the, the Nightwolf page, Facebook page. And um, and if you're connected with, with Charlie or Alexis or with Darkwater Rising, you will be able to find um, the information there as well. Um, okay. But it's, it's GoFundMe. Um, I, I, don't, I forget the exact name, but the link is definitely on the, the Nightwolf page. That's, that's Winter Nightwolf Productions on Facebook. Correct. Don, I know you're sitting over there. You got, you got, I know you want to say something. Is there anything you want to say about that? you know, the situation that this young woman finds herself in. Jay, to go through what she's already done makes her an incredibly strong woman. Mm -hmm. And she's telling us that she's carried on and not going to give up the fight. That shows great strength. And I hope somebody out there in the listening audience picks up on this and maybe they'll come forward and lend a hand and, and get this thing back on track with her kidneys there. And I wish her absolutely the best, and it will keep her in my own prayers. Absolutely. Okay, we, um, we've we only got four minutes left. 
So let's start with you, Charlie. You got one minute. Any closing thoughts? Well, I am thankful for this platform that, you know, statistically, a lot of people think that we're invisible as indigenous women. And I just thank you for the platform, for the focus of highlighting indigenous women through music. Mm-hmm. And one of your your co-hosts uh, mentioned that she was half Taino. And half Cherokee. And half Cherokee. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my mentors, the first lady that put a hand drum in my hand, uh, was Puta Fey, and she's half Taino and Tuscarora. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's my sweetheart. Yeah. She does. <laughs> I've I've learned so much through Pure Faith. Uh, I met her when I was 12, and Mm -hmm. so much about our people and our history and where we're going in the future. Um, And I just think it's great that you have a platform to uplift indigenous women. So thank you. I'm honored to do that. Um, Alexis, any closing thoughts? And before I do that, will both of you come again on the show for me? I most definitely will have to definitely make it up there to, to D.C. <laughs> okay. You just let let Sandra Hope know, and we'll arrange it, okay? Yeah. So, okay. Um, Alexis, any closing thoughts? So just to piggyback off of what Charlie said, you know, thank you for just giving us the platform to really um, broadcast the song and really give it the, the attention that it deserves and not just the song, just the movement that it stands for. Absolutely. And I'm so honored to have both of you with me today. Did you want to say something, Verona? No, um, I appreciate appreciate both of you women being on today um, because we need to hear everything that you said. And the song, it's it's moving. And not not just to indigenous women, to women everywhere internationally. Happy International Women's Day, which is Monday. Mm-hmm. But any man that's got any kind of common sense that appreciates a woman, your mama, your grandma, your auntie, your sister, your daughter, you should always consider putting them first, putting the women first. Because if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for the woman, you would well, not have wouldn't be here. Me. That's right. <laughs> it wouldn't I, be here. Have, right. you ever, have you ever heard of a man giving birth to a baby? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah, you guys need to wake up and smell the smell the coffee because it's been ruined for years. Thank you both again so, for being on Jay, with me. Yes, I'm sorry. Real, real quick, so Alexis is Thank actually on the way to sing the national anthem. So you you knock them out there, Alexis. All right. Thank you. And <laughs> what she's referring to, um, I'm about to sing the national anthem here in about five minutes. <laughs> well, so I just pulled up to the event uh, in Pembroke for a groundbreaking of the building. Oh, good for you. I can't, you know what, when I come to North Carolina, I can't wait to hook up with the both of you. You know, my, my, yeah, we'll definitely have a good time. Yeah, my little sister. Yeah, we'll take you to get some collards and cornbread for sure. Absolutely. You're going to take care of the old man when he comes down there because I'm, I'll be 72 years old next month. All right. And Don Walker. This month. Oh, yeah, this month. Damn, this what the hell about that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. March 26th. I want to say thank you to my co-host, Verona Irigate. I want to say thank you to my, my very, very good friend, Don Walker, and my brother. And to all of you that, that take the time to listen to this broadcast every week. 
to WPFW. Thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to speak for my people. I'll close in these words from my grandfather. It's not about the color of your eyes or the color of your skin. It's not about the texture of your hair. It is not about the clothes you wear. It's not about who you pray to and call God. What it's really all about is how you treat my heart. Danada, goai, wado. Talk to you next Friday. If the white man wants to live in peace with the Indian, he can live in peace. There need be no trouble. Treat all men alike. Give them all the same.